Man, you guys can grab a seat. All right, man, great to worship uh, with you guys. Uh, this morning I was, I was out in Western Mass uh, preaching at a, at a new church start out there called Harvest, and uh, it was a real privilege to go out there and, and to preach for them and just to kind of see what God's up to all over New England right now. I'm just telling you guys, I don't know if you're aware, but God is blowing up the scene in New England right now. It is just amazing what he's doing. Friday, I was at a, a pastor's prayer meeting, and a couple of the older gentlemen uh, sat around with us and reflected on how just a few years ago, they had nobody hardly other than like three or four of them to, to get together and pray, and we filled up this room with like 20-something guys. We're all starting churches in greater Boston, so I'm telling you, God is up to something, and so, uh, man, it's a privilege, and, uh, but I'll say this, though, uh, of all the places uh, I get to go and speak from time to time, um, this is my favorite, can I say that? I love worshiping with you guys, I love what God's doing here, and so uh, thanks for being here, and thanks for uh, collectively joining us uh, to, to worship um, the, the risen Lord Jesus. Easter isn't over, you know that, right? He's still alive, he's still well, and it's Sunday, so we're worshiping on Sunday and not Saturday, because... Jesus rose on Sunday and he conquered the grave and so we're celebrating that so let's keep doing that right so tonight we start a uh, we start a new series and uh, for those of you guys who aren't familiar with how we kind of do uh, our, our preaching around here we like to go through books of the Bible and we go Old Testament New Testament Old Testament New Testament and bounce back and forth and uh, we just finished up the book of Philippians a few weeks back right before Easter and so then what we'll do is we'll sprinkle in between um, those, those books, what we call equipping series, these series that are really there to help equip you and, and prepare you on just some really practical things in life. And so uh, this series that we want to equip you with is what we're calling God at Work, God at Work. And I believe that this is going to be super helpful for all of us as we go this, through this for the next few weeks together. Uh, some of you, uh, you love what you do. Others of you, you hate what you do. And then some of you, you're, you're kind of indifferent, and then maybe there's some of you even who are, you know, you're undecided. You're like, talk to me in a few months, and I'll let you know if I love or hate uh, what I do. Uh, but what I want to talk about for the next few weeks together is just really how our, our faith and our vocation um, intersect. And uh, so whatever your current vocation is, we're talking about uh, whether you're blue-collar or white-collar, whether you're working at the home, you're a homemaker, or you're a student, that's your that's your vocation. And so that's what we're going, uh, that's the direction we're going to be for the next few uh, weeks together. I'm really, really excited for that. And so why don't we just pray again and uh, just ask God's blessing um, on our time together. I want to give you guys a second to pray uh, first to the Lord. So you pray, then I'll pray. God, please, tonight, uh, would you just speak to our hearts, Lord? We need to see you um, at our workplaces, at our vocation, whether it be uh, working with our hands or working with our minds or at school or homeward, uh, whatever it is that we do, Lord, would you, would you show us um, your role in that over the course of the next few weeks and how we might glorify you in that, that we might be a people who are just completely consumed with you just infiltrating everything that we do. Lord, forgive us for the times that we, um, we try to live apart from you and do our own thing. And God, I pray that that would not be the case um, after this, this series is up, that you would really stir us and motivate us and equip us and call us uh, to great things in our vocations. And so God, uh, tonight uh, we invite you here and we, we pray that your spirit would move in a mighty way. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we get into this series, God at Work, uh, I was reflecting on some of my past jobs. And so uh, you want to hear some of uh, my my resume? I started out as a lawn care engineer. Um, So I was a a, a grass mower from like age 13, 14, 15 or so. Had my parents' minivan. We'd pull out the seats and we'd ramp up my dad's riding mower into this big old minivan. And uh, he'd drive me across town to make 25 bucks to mow somebody's lawn. And that was... uh, that was fun for me. I was a pianist at a church. That's right. I was a church pianist or pianist, depending on how you say it. And uh, so that was kind of a, a fun little job. The, the, probably the worst one of all time was the, the catfish den. That's right. I worked at this place called the catfish den. That's right. So it was a catfish specialty restaurant. And frog legs were actually on the menu. Yeah, down south, it was kind of crazy. And I was the bus boy. So not only did I work at the catfish den, but I was cleaning off catfish all day and then when I come home from work I remember my parents and my brother and sister just mocked me by just going because I just smelled like fish it was awful it, w- it was terrible so I did that for a while uh, I was a lifeguard I was very excited to get out of the catfish den and, and go uh, David Hasselhoff you know at like a kiddie pool or whatever and so that was fun uh, I was um, I-, I built archery equipment in college for a little while so uh, it was kind of a cool little job for two years building equipment for archery which was kind of you know Cool. So if you go to Dick's Sporting Goods and there's stuff for, you know, bow hunting, I built that stuff as a, as a college student, and it was miserable, but I did it. And uh, then uh, I was an assistant pastor, or assistant to a pastor, and then a, a youth pastor, and uh, a pizza boy was probably my, uh, my uh, most enjoyable one because I could, you know, we could make a pizza and accidentally drop something that was on the pizza that shouldn't have gone on the pizza, and it goes through the oven. I'm like, well, I guess somebody's got to eat it, and so we'd eat it, and that's how I fed myself through college was uh, pizza, and uh, it, was, it was good. That's how I won the, the heart of my wife's girlfriends, by the way. I would come home from work and show up out her dorm room window and say, hey, girls, got some pizza, and then it was good. Once you get her friends, you're in, and so now we're married. It's beautiful, so talk to me if you guys need some pointers on that, guys. Uh, I'm, I'm here after for counsel, so hopefully that'll, that'll be helpful, but anyhow, uh, listen, my heart uh, in this series is to, to really help us see how God intersects and and in our workplaces, it's, it's such a very important thing. We spend so much time in our vocation, in the classroom, at home, whatever it is that, that is what you do. And, and, and so it's very important what we're getting into. And my, my heart today is to really encourage you uh, and then to, to really send you out. And that's really what, what church is supposed to be, is a place uh, where we encourage each other and then we send each other out. And so uh, one of the, the best passages of scripture in a pastor's arsenal that they use often to guilt you into coming to church is Hebrews chapter 10, 24, and, and, and 25. And, and the scriptures there exhort us not to neglect the assembly together. So you feel that right now? You feeling convicted? Be here next week. All right, good. So do not neglect the assembly together. But here's what it says in Hebrews uh, 10, 24, and 25. We'll put it on the screen for you. It, it says, and and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day uh, drawing near. And so it says do not neglect uh, to, to meet together. And so uh, do not neglect to, to do what we're doing here, get together as Christians, as the church. But why? What, what is the... The, the means, the end goal of, uh, or the end goal of this, this verse. 
do not neglect to meet together because it says when we're together, uh, we, we recharge and we stimulate one another uh, to live a life of love and, and, and good works. And, and, and that is loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength, and, and then loving those people who God has placed in our lives. And so in here is not the end goal. The end goal is to send you back out there wherever it is that you are going uh, to be tomorrow when you wake up. And so what this is, is this for us is an opportunity to glorify the Lord and to really kind of serve as a rallying point so that we can gather regularly like this and then we can scatter. You heard it in the covenant we read a little while ago that we gather like this to stimulate one another, it says, to love and good deeds, but then we scatter to go live a life of, of power. Uh, during, the, during the course of my life, um, I've, I've gone to all kinds of what we Christians call mission trips, right? You've heard the term before, missions trips. Uh, and, and just about every summer growing up, started out when I was young, my family would go uh, to another place somewhere in the country, and we would spend a week or two, you know, somewhere in another state, uh, building a church building or kind of a habitat for humanity type house or doing some kind of tornado relief or hurricane relief. We do that every summer as a family. That was kind of, that replaced our, our going on family vacations to the beach and all that stuff. We'd go out and do some, some stuff together. And then when I was in high school, I started going on trips with my church and would, uh, we'd, we'd go to a lot of orphanages in the summers uh, and during the spring, during high school. And then for the past 10 years or so, I've had the, the chance to lead students and adults on different trips to Honduras and El Salvador and Guatemala and Jamaica and New York City and kind of all over uh, the place. But one common theme uh, that, that I found on the way back towards the tail end of every single mission trip that I think I've ever been on is the theme of guilt or conviction. At the very end, people start to get together and guilt and conviction sets in. And somebody says, why can't we do this at home? Like it was so easy and so awesome doing it here, but why don't we do this at home? That's a great question, and I've always, always been challenged uh, by that. And so, so with our, our God at Work series, what we're going to look at is, is doing that at home, right? Serving others and ministering to others and being used of God here, where the, the place where you spend probably uh, the most amount uh, of time. And the goal here is to to stimulate you and then to send you out or to gather and work together in this and then to send you out uh, really focused. And we're not sending you out to the, the foreign mission field throughout the course of this series, but we're sending you out uh, to your workplaces, to your, to your uh, vocation. And, and I would encourage you uh, to go on the foreign mission field at some point in your life. I would encourage you to pray and consider if maybe that's somewhere God wants you to be uh, long term. But that's not where you're going to be when you wake up tomorrow, is it? You wake up tomorrow, you might be in a dorm room. You might be rolling out of bed and going to a hospital where you're going to work or, or a, a lab where you're going to work or a cubicle where you're going to work or a, a construction site where you're going you're gonna to go somewhere and, and work. And that's your vocation, and that's where you're going to spend most of your time. And I believe, I really believe that that's where God wants you to have all kinds of impact. And so I pray that through this series we will... Uh, equip you in that because that's where you're going to have your inroads that's where you're going to have your relationships that's where people uh, are going to have most shared interests with you because they went to this place work here this school uh, this family uh, because they relate with you uh, in that so that i believe is where you're going to be the most 
effective. And I'm not trying to say this by any stretch to uh, diminish the work of brothers and sisters in Christ who are all over the world right now uh, doing crazy things for Jesus and going to hard places. But I want to give us kind of a reality check that, listen, tomorrow where you're going to be um, is somewhere where, where God really wants to use you. In Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 8, you've heard it before if you're a Christian. Um, scriptures say this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And, and, and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem. So stop there for a second. Jerusalem for them, in the context there, was right here, right now, at work, at school, with my family. That's Jerusalem. He says you will receive power uh, both in Jerusalem and then in Judea, Samaria, and then to the, the, the remotest parts of the earth. And so here's the thing, though. We've, we've got to bring it here before we bring it out there. Right? That was, that was really the conviction of every mission trip I've ever been on, is that why has it not started here? Why does it feel so easy to go over there? Well, the, probably the reason it's so easy over there and when we're there is because, you know what? If they reject the message, it doesn't really sting all that bad. But when my coworker that I see every day rejects the message, it kind of stings a little bit, right? Can you relate with that? Because I totally uh, feel that. And so it starts here in our Jerusalem. And and, and what is your Jerusalem? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Getting a little more specific than just Boston, but what is, is your Jerusalem? Where's the place that God has you at throughout the course of your week, empowered by the Holy Spirit? See, he doesn't say that, that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, uh, Judea, Samaria, but when you go to the remotest parts of the world, when you go to the place that is truly sacred, uh, then you will receive power. He doesn't say that, does he? He says you will receive power in all of these and that means that you have holy spirit god power in your heart in your life backing what you're doing tomorrow wherever it is that you find yourself uh, when you roll out of bed and and you hit the road tomorrow and the truth is i think i need uh, just as much holy spirit power when i'm talking with my neighbor talking with an extended family member for you maybe a co-worker then you do when you're in some foreign country. And so you need God's power in your Jerusalem. And so uh, to kind of set up this series, to introduce this series, what I want to do tonight is I want to I look at three things. I want to I give us three workplace mistakes, if I can. Three workplace uh, mistakes. And here's the first workplace mistake. First workplace mistake that we as Christians can make is, is what I call secularization secularization and and so here's what we've done Uh, we've kind of made this unbiblical distinction uh, between the sacred and the secular and so what happens is uh, the overseas missions work has kind of been made to look real sexy for the christians right that's where it's at that's that's it that's that's sexy it's holy and that's that's where god is and that's where the power is and again i say that with no disrespect to those people, it's, it's powerful, and they need the Lord, and, and we're praying for them, we're supporting them, we send out a lot of money um, relative to what we take in to, to support uh, that, but, but listen, if we send all of our Christians to Africa or to India, listen, America is going to uh, be in a lot of trouble. The spiritual plight of America is going to be in a lot of trouble, and so what God has done is he has called some people there, and he's also called some people uh, to stay here. And I really, I really struggle with that word calling. You ever thought through that word calling? Um, 
The idea that, that a, a pastor or a, a missionary has uh, this, this call on their life. They're, they're called of, of God. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I really believe with all of my heart that Scripture places a, a, a kind of a heavy uh, set of parameters and standards upon uh, those people who are called to lead the church, right? Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 28, uh, Paul tells the Ephesian elders uh, that the Holy Spirit has appointed you as, as a leader of, of the church. But listen, we're all called to ministry. Every single one of you are, are called uh, to ministry. One of our values as a church is that every member is a minister, that everybody is a minister. Everybody. And so the, the question is not, uh, are you called to ministry? The question is, where are you called to ministry? And to whom are you called uh, to minister to? We're, we're all called to ministry. I, w- I want to think about that word vocation. We're going to hear it a lot throughout the course of this uh, series, and hopefully we can kind of recalibrate that, that word for you a little bit. Uh, the, the root of the word vocation in the, the Latin, where the word came from, uh, voca means to call, Right? The root means uh, to call. So kind of linguistic evidence tells us that, that at some point in history, incorporated with this word vocation, uh, was this idea that you were called, right? Vocation means you're, you're called to do something. And, and so they didn't call uh, the role of pastor or missionary vocation. It's whatever we do, it's, it's our, our vocation. I don't believe it's wrong to speak to God's call on your life, but understand that we're all called we're 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 all called right and so don't fall into the the trap of the enemy uh to feel like your work in in the corporate world is insufficient or or your work uh at the university is is insufficient or 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 your work as a as a mother or a father is insufficient do not fall into that uh trap because that's that's wrong you have to ask yourself what is your jerusalem what, what is the place that God has you at uh, tomorrow where you kind of do the day in, the day out, the, the daily grind, uh, the, the place that you need the Holy Spirit power to help you uh, to be effective, to draw people to the recognition of the glory of God so that you might be uh, His witness uh, in whatever it is that you do. What's, what's that place that you are called to, vocation, right? Uh, for some of you, it's business and, and you have a special knack for business. Some of you, uh, you know you're going into business, and so uh, that's your vocation, the place that you are called of God to. Some of you, it's education, whether it be learning for quite a while and you're pursuing some serious degrees or, or teaching, that's, that's your thing. Maybe for some of us, it's, it's children. I'm called homeward, and I'm going to stay at home and be a mother. Um, that's, that's great. That's a vocation for you. Maybe for you, it's a trade, and I'm going to work with my hands. Uh, maybe for you, it's... it's uh, I'm going to work uh, on this project or this nonprofit or whatever it may be. Uh, but where is that place that God has you or, or he's setting you up to do? What is it that God is, is brewing in your heart even right now? Is there, there are dreams that, that you have that you're saying, man, I just want God to, to do something big. I, I have this, this thing that's just working in my heart, and I don't know. It's probably the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, i got big plans for you. And maybe it's unconventional, but you move forward. In that, And what I want you to do is I want you throughout the course of this series to really discover a new perspective for your Jerusalem, a, a new perspective uh, for the place that God has called you and placed you to be sent out for his glory and to make an impact uh, today. And so let's kind of lose the idea 
secular and, 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 and sacred, right? And I want to give you some biblical evidence for that. Um, listen to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, 7 through 9, and then also verse 15. We'll put it on the screen for you. It says, uh, Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the glory of, uh, or, and the, the Lord of God uh, planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree uh, that is pleasant to the sight and, and good for food. Uh, the tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we'll skip forward a little bit. And then it says, the, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to, give me that word, to work and to keep it. And so we've got this word, verse 15, work right here uh, when God uh, is, is creating. And what I want you to see is that God has mankind working before chapter 3. And in chapter 3 is the, the fall of man when, when sin enters the world and begins to wreak havoc. That God has work prior to that. And so work is not this awful thing that you have to do. But work is this thing that is a part of God's uh, sacred design for all of us. That we have been made in His image to work. And to have dominion over uh, what he has put us over. To make an impact with our work. And, and, and so for, for many, many Christians and, and non-Christians even. Uh, I'd say probably more non-Christians. We, we, we will see work as kind of a, a means to an end. And so we work so that we can pay the bills. Or we work so that we can uh, pay for the weekend. Or we work so that we can support the children. Or we work so that we can have uh, a retirement fund, and that's many non-Christians, even some Christians. Uh, and then many Christians even will, will kind of try to twist that and make it a little bit more holy. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll say, well, we work so that we can build some relationships so that we can uh, have a witness, or we work so that we can make money so that we can give to uh, the, the mission of the church or, or, or some particular cause. But in both of those, there's, there's, there's a sim- the same mistake, and that mistake is that we're seeing work as a means to an end. It's just a means uh, to an end. It's kind of the similar uh, mistake that, that, that we'll suck it up and we'll, we'll work in hopes that, that God will be glorified in the end. But listen, God wants to be glorified in the, the means, right? He wants to be glorified uh, in the, the means, which really kind of leads us to, to workplace mistake number two, and that is uh, compartmentalization, right? compartmentalization. You can see that I took the liberty to make up some words along the way here. Uh, So let's turn together to Colossians 3. It's where I want to spend the rest of our time. The whole book of Colossians is really a beautiful letter. It was revolutionary in its day and it should be revolutionary for us. And at the the end of Colossians chapter 3 is this verse that is just straight up liberating, right? It's, It's a verse that will exalt Jesus and it will sanctify or set apart your Jerusalem. You get that? It exalts Jesus and it sanctifies uh, your Jerusalem or your current place in life. And, and maybe tonight you just really need to see that your Jerusalem, where you're going to be this week, is, is sanctified or, or set apart, right? Because maybe for you, your Jerusalem just doesn't seem very uh, spiritual or very worthy. And I got your freedom right here. So look with me at Colossians 3.17. Colossians 3.17. Here's what he says. 
says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And so, I'm telling you, this verse crosses my heart, my mind, at least once a week. I'm constantly thinking on this, this verse that everything is to be done for Jesus. He says, whatever you do. Think through that again. Real slow. Real basic. Whatever you do. And then to add emphasis, he says, in word or in deed. And so he's talking about some of the most mundane. Uh, 1 Corinthians will say, whether you eat or drink. Just some of the most basic things that whatever we do, pretty much all-inclusive is that word, uh, whatever. And that word whatever is, is really important because it, as we even kind of look around the room, we could go around and, and we have different makeups and different, different passions and different skills and, and, and different tendencies uh, uh, among us. But, but know that whatever it is that you do, your Jerusalem, the place that God has you at right now, doing what he has you uh, doing, you are powered by the Holy Spirit to do whatever you are doing and doing it with power and in the name of Jesus. And so all things, according to this verse, are sacred, right? We're all co-laborers, whatever it is that we do. We're all co-laborers with God and, and each other for one mission, and that mission is to glorify God with whatever, whatever, whatever uh, you do and in the way that you do it. And so to be a Christian means that what you do is holy work. What you do is holy work. So it's not about what you do, it's about doing whatever you do in a way that, that reflects Jesus. And then Paul says, do everything, as if to say, okay, I've already said whatever, right? But now I'm saying it again, do everything, like yes, everything. You can kind of try to run the gamut through your life and what you, he says, do everything, whatever you do uh, for the Lord, right? So here's what that kind of looks like. It kind of looks like this, that when you do whatever it is, that, that you do, that there is no room for you as a Christian to be apathetic about anything. About anything. So that means school as a Christian should be none of this, well, whatever. Because that whatever falls under his whatever. And so whatever you do should be done in a way that brings glory uh, to, the, to the Lord. That, that whatever it is that you do should be done with excellence and with uh, the, the most amount of skill that you possibly can give to it. There's no room for apathy. So whether you're a pastor or a plumber, you do whatever it is that you do uh, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And can you imagine if we scatter tonight and we do whatever it is that we do in such a way that it brings glory to Jesus? Can you imagine the kind of impact that we would make? It's what we call infiltrating culture. And so we're to do whatever we do in a way that honors the Lord. And so that means students, um, if you, you work hard and you do so uh, with whatever mental um, resources the Lord has given you. That means if you're a student and you have, you have a job that this is not what I want to do with the rest of my life, well, you better be bagging groceries with the best of them, right? You work hard because you're doing whatever you do in a way that, that honors the Lord. That means as, as a parent, you are working hard to parent the way God parents us as, as our 
as our father. That means as a, as a businessman or, or, or woman that you are working diligently and with integrity and with excellence in whatever it is that you touch. That means if you have a trade, that whatever it is that you build better, better be the best out there, the best that you can possibly do. That if you have empo- employees and you're paying them, you pay them well and with, with, with integrity and, and you ch- help them to support their families and you don't just kind of do everything for the dollar bill for yourself, but you do everything, everything in the name of the, the Lord uh, Jesus. But here's where we struggle is we, we, we often kind of get into this compartmentalization thing here where I have my work and then I have my ministry. And my, my work is what I do at work and my ministry is what I do at or with or through uh, the church. And, and what we really need to do is we really need to kind of start to blur those lines a little bit. I want to blur the lines of church and work. Church ministry and work is just kind of compartmentalizes the thing I do from 9 to 5 or for the students from 1 to 5 a.m. <laughs> I, I, I want to I ask you um, to begin to think through what is your ministry Throughout the course of the week. What is your ministry every single day that, that God has, has put you in? I, I hope we get to the point where as a church I come up to you and, and I say, hey, what's your ministry? And you could say, well, I, I set up the church and I work with the kids. That's one thing. But my, my ministry also is at work. I'm working on this project. I'm giving it everything that I have. At lunch, I'm, I'm eating with this, this one lady and I'm really praying for her. Uh, I'm, I'm also at home praying for my angry boss because I know that there's something that's, that's rooted uh, that, that anger. And I'm, I'm also uh, praying for my, my uh, desk mate, the guy I share a desk with. And uh, I'm praying for him. And every, every Monday I tell him about what I've learned at church. And he listens. And uh, see, I want to I get to the point where the lines of ministry are blurred, that it's not church and work, but it's ministry because it's life and it falls under the umbrella of whatever. And so that we would stop uh, compartmentalizing, right? And, and, and your ministry is, 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 is not simply those things that are listed on the bottom half of your connection card there. But your ministry is some things that, that God has put on your heart that maybe other people have yet to find out about. But it's a, it's a ministry that you do uh, daily. I would love that. So that's why when we started this church, one of the things we intentionally did is we said, we're going to structure this church really simple, really simple. As a new church, here's what happens. People start coming up to you saying, as you grow, they start to say, let's have this specialized ministry and this ministry and this ministry and this ministry and this ministry. And you'll see a church that will grow to a certain size. And Monday through Saturday, there's something every night of the week. Monday is men's ministry. Tuesday is women's ministry. Wednesday is, is children and family ministry. Thursday, if you're in the band, you got band practice. Friday, oh yeah, we would, we would really like you to have a, a, a ministry in your neighborhood. And maybe you could invite some people to your house and have a dinner. Oh yeah, and... You know what, another thing you should probably do is uh, you should probably uh, make it a, a real point to, uh, you know, reach out to the people at your work. And so maybe if you want to invite them over to dinner or something, that would be cool too. And, uh, uh, you know, also we really expect you to um, shepherd your family well and you're like, when, right? And so what we want to do is make a church that's as simple as we possibly can make it so that those lines can be really blurred and so that you can really have all sorts of ministries. Ministries 
in the, the circles that God has already put you in. So we don't have to pull you out of those circles and say, come fit into our circles. But you minister where God has you right now strategically, your Jerusalem, for a reason. Whatever it is that you do, that's a ministry. And, and, and we say, praise God that he's put you there. And so I'm praying that, that God would really do that uh, in, in all of us. That we would really see uh, our, our, our ministries that God has given us. That we would stop compartmentalizing everything. And that we would say, man, I'm a minister every second of the day for the glory of the Lord. Now, last workplace mistake is this. Idolization idolization he says do everything in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father uh, through him so here's where uh, we have to be really really careful and start to do some self-evaluation you got to know up front that my whatever comes back to jesus we got to really be careful to make sure that we get the fact that i'm doing what i'm doing in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him and so Catch this, you cannot let your Jerusalem become your, your Jesus. In other words, whatever it is that you do, your, your Jerusalem, you do it as best as you possibly can do it. You do it with passion, you do it with integrity, not apathy. You do it with diligence and, and with quality. That, but, but, but remember that it is for Jesus, and, and it is also used of God to point people uh, to Jesus, right? And, and I find that so unbelievably freeing because it tells me and it tells you that everything counts. Everything counts. That lame job that you're working at right now, it counts. Everything uh, counts. But we can't get so freed up by everything counts that what, what happens is our trade becomes our treasure. Our Jerusalem becomes our Jesus. And we begin to idolize our work, our vocation, and and when we idolize our vocation, we knock Jesus off of uh, the, the pedestal that is due him and, and him alone. And you see it happen all the time, don't you? You see God bless a Christian, and a Christian gets blessed, and it seems like in a moment they forget where the blessing came from. They forget the, the focus that they had. They forget the, the prayers of God, I would really love that job, and then he provides it, and then that job consumes them, and they forget about the God who gave them that that job and the jerusalem became their jesus and they were now in it for the thrill of the game or the money or the glory but they're not in it for jesus anymore And so if you're a builder you build whatever it is that you build in such a way that it brings glory to god but you also remember that isaiah chapter 65 17 tells us that it will all come crumbling down it will come crumbling down it's going to be uh, destroyed and so it doesn't matter how wonderful it is whatever it is that you built it's it's not going to last the only way that you can make your work last is if you do it in a way that points people to jesus and you do it in a way that glorifies god and those praises to the glorious god go on and on and on and on and on forever and so be very careful not to idolize your jerusalem not to let your jerusalem become um, your your jesus see you go after it with great enthusiasm and then we get distracted and um, it becomes our our Lord, right? And you're done. You, 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 lost the, you lost the focus and you lost uh, the mission that God had put right back in front of you. And so uh, the last piece here is that we are to be giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So we're glorifying God the Father uh, through Jesus and the freedom that He has given us, right? 
It's that humble attitude that says, wow, God, thank you so much for my Jerusalem. Thank you for where you have me. Right now, it is all focused on Jesus. It is all ultimately for your, your, your glory. It's that heart that truly, truly reflects uh, that it has all been done for Jesus, and it is always, always, always all about Jesus. And so uh, what does it look like as we move forward? What does it look like to do whatever it is that we do in the name of Jesus? We're going to keep pressing that idea harder and harder and harder throughout the course of uh, this series. Um, and so I pray that it will help you and be beneficial uh, for, for all of you. But tonight what we need to do is we need to close with repentance as we just kind of just touch the, the tip of the iceberg here. We need to, we need to close with repentance, um, really changing um, our, our hearts, thoughts on what it is that we do. It's a, it's, it's, it's a frequent step that we as Christians need to take, and maybe you even find yourself right now saying, man, I do, I need to repent. I need to, um, I, I really need to turn from making this my Lord, and I need to make Jesus my Lord. I need to turn from being half-hearted about whatever it is that I do, and I need to begin to, to do it in such a way uh, that glorifies the Lord. Maybe some of us tonight even just need to repent of our, of our sin for the very first time and say, God, I agree with you that my sin um, is an ultimate offense against you. I turn from the one who made me. I want to turn to you through the provision that you made of Jesus, nailing him to the cross as a substitution for my sin. And I want to follow you. I want you to be my Lord. And maybe that's the kind of repentance you need to do. But maybe God's tugging on your heart tonight. You need to repent in all kinds of different ways. But I want to invite you in this moment. We're going to pray and we're going to repent and just turn from whatever we need to turn from. And ask God for his power in the direction that he's bringing us. And then we'll sing and we'll worship uh, the Lord together and continue on as we worship uh, worship of, of repentance uh, to the Lord. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, Lord. Your word is truth. And so God, would you speak your truth um, into our hearts? and Would it really penetrate and change us, God? Lord, may we see that you have us somewhere on purpose for a reason and you want to do a great thing in us. But Lord, we confess um, the areas of our lives where we have not been living what we're doing or whatever in a way that, that honors you. And so Lord, would you, uh, would you change that? And we, we turn it over to you, Lord. Lord, we recognize that your Holy Spirit power is available to all of it. And so Lord, help us in that. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ in the room here. I pray, Lord, that you would give them a great impact in their Jerusalem, Father. I pray for our college students who are soon going to be going uh, back to their homes for the summer. Some of them working jobs. Some of them uh, hanging out with family. But, Lord, I pray that whatever they do this summer would be done in a way that glorifies you and is impactful, Father. So I commit them to you. I commit everyone in this room to you, Father. And what they do throughout the course of this week. Lord, may they press on in whatever they do. And do it for your glory and for the good of all people, Father. We love you. This is, um, this is your truth. And I pray that it would continue to change us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand and worship with us?